0: Well, my subject this morning is if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. Taken from Esther chapter four and verse 16. And you know, Esther is a it's only a small book, just 10 chapters in the Old Testament. But it's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. And Esther, this Jewish young, young girl. She was used of God to save the whole of her race, the whole of the Jewish race, from massacre and from being wiped out in a genocide. Just an ordinary person, very ordinary, and the events in this book they take place, they pr- take place in a time frame of about ten years, from about 483 BC down to 473 BC, and it was during the time of the wealthy Persian king. His name was Ahasuerus. His Greek name was Xerxes, which he was more known by. And Esther, this young Hebrew girl, her Persian name, it mean Esther, so it was a Persian name, it means star. And she is the star. She's the star of the book. She's a bright, but she's a bright, shining star for the Lord. And her Jewish name is Hadassah. Aaron named his baby Hadassah. And Hadassah means myrtle tree. And we see many men that God used in the Word of God, but also as we look at the pages of Scripture, at critical times in history, often God would raise up a woman who would hear His voice, and God has used woman, you know, in very significant ways. Woman like Deborah, the prophetess, you know, like Ru- like Ruth who came. A Moabitish young girl, but she came into the lineage of Christ. Jael, who saw a great victory over the enemy. Holder, the prophetess, had the word of the Lord flowing through her. Priscilla in the New Testament with her husband, Aquila, and many others. And in this little book of Esther, the name of God does not even appear, not even one time. But through every page, we see the hand of God. And the hand of God is so evident through the book. Now, this Persian Empire, that was it was the, the world power at that time. It was very vast. And this King Ahasuerus, he ruled over 127 provinces all the way from... India in the east right through to Ethiopia an incredible empire and so the events in this little book of Esther they transpire between Ezra chapter 6 and Ezra chapter 7 and this book it comes about 40 years after the temple was rebuilt and about 30 years before the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt, were the walls were built in the time of Nehemiah. And, but if it had not been for Esther, if it had not been for Esther, the whole of the Jewish nation could have been destroyed. And it's so wonderful to see the hand of God, the hand of God in the circumstances and how God was leading Esther, even though she didn't realise it at the time. But the hand of God was in it all, to miraculously, for her to become queen of all the Persian Empire, the greatest empire upon the earth. And I, I, I always like reading the book of Esther, and just, there's just something about it that, that, that's special. It's just absolutely amazing how, when you think of Esther, she was a Jew. She was a woman. She was young. She'd been an orphan. Parents probably had died. She was living in exile. She wasn't even living in her own country. She wasn't living in Israel. She was in exile. She was living... In Persia, which is modern-day Iraq. And it's very interesting, you know, what is happening in Iraq today. And, you know, God is moving there. Many are coming to the Lord. There's persecution. There's uprising against the, the government there. But many people are giving their hearts to the Lord, their lives to the Lord today. And we're seeing, you know, Iraq. Uh, you know where, which is the Persian Empire, which is basically the land. Of, I'm sorry, the land of Iran, not not Iraq, the land of Iran uh, today. So, Esther. I mean, what an unlikely person to be used of God. Totally unlikely. I mean, a woman. She was young. She was a Jew. She was an orphan. She was an exile. She had no real influence, no particular talents that were told of, no wealth, no position. I mean, it's incredible. But God, and God brings Esther to become queen to the greatest king on earth, the ruler of the greatest power of that day, the Persian Empire. Now, the king. He did not realize Esther was a Jewess. And when they found out about the plot of wicked Haman to kill all the Jews, M- Mordecai got the message to Esther. Now Esther, the king did not know she was a Jew. Mordecai was the, he was the cousin of Esther and he brought her up as his own daughter after her parents died. And in the book of Esther, it's like the greatest crisis that ever confronted the Jewish people in their entire history up to this present time. The crisis in the time of Esther was even greater than the, the, the crisis in the time of the Second World War under Hitler, under Adolf Hitler, during the Second World War. In the Second World War, at the gas chambers in the Holocaust, some six million Jews lost their lives, were killed in those gas chambers. Six million. Now, the total number of Jews at the time of the Second World War was roughly about 18 million worldwide. But six million of them, that's one-third of the population, were destroyed by Hitler in the Second World War. But in the time of Esther... The plan of wicked Haman was to destroy the whole race, not just 33%, but the whole 100% of them. Haman, wicked Haman, inspired by Satan himself, sought to wipe out the Jewish race through which Christ was going to come, the Saviour, the Messiah. Haman's decree... To kill all the Jews in the empire. It was a direct satanic attack to wipe out the Jewish race through which the Messiah was to be born. And even in the time we're living in, right now, right here, even in America, there's an increasing anti-Semitism. There's increasing attacks against Jews. Jews are being killed, not because of anything wrong they've done, but just because the fact they're a Jew. Here in America, and in France, and in England, and in many other countries of the world. They're being persecuted, they're being attacked. It's always in the news. You know, one of the greatest signs of the... Closeness of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is the fact that after some 1,900 years, from AD 70, when the, the J- Jerusalem was destroyed and the Jews were dispersed all over the world, and pr- then prophecy was fulfilled. Many prophecies in the Old Testament, how they would return, they would have their own dwelling place, they would, they would come back to Jerusalem, to Israel, and miraculously, 14th of May, 1948, Israel became a nation again, a state, separate state, a nation again. And there's an attack today, there's an attack today. That's why Israel's so much in the news all the time today. And in Chapter 4 of this little book, Mordecai, he's the cousin, the elder cousin, like the guardian. He brought her up, brought up, and he challenges Esther. By the stage, by Chapter 4, miraculously, by some amazing events, Esther becomes queen. And Mordecai challenges Esther to present her petition before the King for her people. Because there are this wicked man, Haman, type of Satan, he had made, through his influence, a decree had been made that on a certain date, it was in the 12th month, on the 13th day, that all the Jews in all the provinces, from India to Ethiopia, were to be wiped out, were to be annihilated, were to be killed on that day. And one of the laws of the Medes and the Persians is that without a royal summons, if if even the queen, if someone went into the the presence of the king when he was in the inner court, even, even his wife, even the queen, it was the law of the land that the penalty for approaching the king uninvited it was death. It was the death penalty, no matter who you were. And that was the, the law of the Medes and the Persians, and it could not be altered. Esther chapter 4, 11 to 17. Let's stand, shall we? Let's read these verses together. Ezra 4, and we're going to read from verse 11 to verse 17. Okay, one, two. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such as to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days." And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not within thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou together holdest thy peace at this time, then thou shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth? whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Susan and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. You may be seated. You know, at first it seems that Esther did not want to become involved, she did not want to come involved, it was outside her comfort zone. And so Mordecai, he had to remind her, you know, think not, you know, that you're okay because you're the queen. Because this law has gone out that every Jew is to be killed and you're a Jew, even though the king does not realize it at this time. And the law at that time was, that law could not be altered. And also for Esther, I mean, imagine her. She's queen of this greatest king in the whole the whole the whole of the earth at this time. Talk about, I mean, she had every comfort that she desired. She was in the palace. Best of accommodation. She would have had the best of food, the finest clothes of that time. Staying in the palace. She would have had servants. She would have had handmaidens. Anything she wanted. But God used This girl who'd been an orphan, this orphan girl, this orphan, this woman, Jewish orphan girl. God used her. God used her to bring deliverance for her nation, to bring deliverance for a people. It's like used her to to bring revival and the purposes of God to come to pass. He used Esther to bring deliverance. Why Esther? Why Esther? Well, two reasons, two reasons God used Esther. There's probably a lot, whole lot more. But two reasons that God used Esther. She had a, a total consecration and commitment to the Lord. And there was a total consecration of her life to the Lord. And here she comes around, and as we've just read. God deals with a heart, she's willing to take a risk, she's even willing to give a life, she's willing to die. She said, I, I will go into the king, even though it's not permitted with, without an invitation. I will go into the king, and, he, and she says, if I perish, I perish, if I die, well, I die? Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 39, He that finds his life shall lose it, but he that shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. If we're willing to lose our life, we'll find it. But if we seek to find our life, we're going to lose it. The whole of the Jewish race was at stake. Esther, she was not only willing to forsake the comforts, but willing, if necessary, even to lay down her life. We all know the Sunday school story, the common story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from Daniel 7, Daniel 3, verse 17 and 18. And they refused to bow down to the Huge image which had been been erected and to worship the king, King Nebuchadnezzar at that time. And they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, which had been heated seven times hotter than normal. And their confidence, it was in God. And they said, you know, our God, he's able to deliver us. But they weren't absolutely sure. They had no rhema, rhema word that he was, he was going to. But then they said this, you know, God's well able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. He's well able to do a mighty thing. But even if he doesn't, you know, we will not bow down to your idol. We will serve the living God. And, and like Esther, if I perish, I perish. they were willing to perish. But God saved them. Esther was willing to perish, but instead God saved her and God used her to save the Jewish race, the Jewish people. And so when, you know, this was a very, very critical, very serious thing. I mean, the whole of the Jewish race, nation was at stake. And Esther, she rose to the challenge to forsake her comforts, willing to lay down her life. When Jesus said, just before he ascended up into heaven, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. Familiar verse in Acts chapter 1. And verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so Jesus said there, You shall be witnesses unto me. You shall be witnesses. And the word for witnesses is the Greek word martus. And from the Greek word martus, we get the English word martyr. So we could say you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses you shall be martyrs unto me both in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth and most of the 12 disciples were martyred for Christ most of them according to church history Peter was crucified upside down with the exception possibly of John he was thrown into a pot of boiling oil, but somehow he got out and escaped and uh, you know, possibly was not killed. But most of the disciples, they ended up martyrs for the Lord. But the thought of martyrs is not only one who's killed for a cause, but who's willing to risk their life for a cause. Esther was one. She was willing to risk her very life. She said, if I perish, I will perish. And going back to verse 14, the words of Mordecai to Esther, and she hearkened to them, she listened to them, and she was willing to obey. And, she, and, and he said to her, he said to her, if, verse 14, if you hold your peace at this time, if you don't, you know, tell the king you're a Jew and the, about the, the, the decree and, and, and go to him. Then there, is, then there shall be enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, and you, and your father's house shall be destroyed. And then Ahasuerus says, the, uh, then Mordecai says these words to Esther, Who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom? For such a time as this. And just as on the platform, just during the time of worship, that scripture is going through me. And I I believe it's for us this morning. And there's some here. You know, you're doubting, you're doubting. You know, God's got a plan for your life, God can use you, God's got a destiny for your life. You're precious to Him. And even as Esther. Even as Esther came to the kingdom, for such a time as this, God, in his wisdom, has ordained each one of us to be alive in this day and age, at this time, shortly before revival and then the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, what a, what a privilege, what an honor. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak this morning to some. You know, God, God's call is on you. God is with you. God is a plan for your life. God is a destiny for your life, a divine destiny for your life. You're called to the kingdom. And I believe each one of us in our spirit can know we are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. There's certain things that we're all different. Certain people, only certain ones will reach. Certain things, only different ones will do. We're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We can't copy someone else. But God has a blueprint, a divine blueprint for your life. And we need to believe God for that. Believe him. We need to believe God for that. And we need not only to believe God, believe God too, that God will fulfill it. He fulfilled it for, for Esther. She was willing to lay down her life. If I perish, I perish. But Mordecai's words... You're called to the kingdom for this very time. And I believe, in a sense, all of us can receive that. We are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Never in history has there been a time like there is today. And we're alive in it. And we're saved. And we're called to be lights and to shine for Jesus. What a privilege, what an honor. She had a total consecration of her life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there's a total consecration of their lives. Esther is willing to let her life go for the sake of her people. And as a result, she found her real purpose and the real purpose of God for her life. And God will pour out his spirit mightily mightily. Revival is coming. But we must be those who are, you know, totally consecrated to him. It speaks about Hezekiah. It speaks about Josiah in 2 Kings 23, 25. And it says, And like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to the law of Moses. Neither arose neither after him arose there any like him. Josiah saw one of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament. Many turned to the Lord. And in the Old Testament, revival was associated with the Feast of Passover and turning to the Lord, repenting, turning back to the Lord. And they turned to the Lord. And Josiah himself, he had such a passion for God. He pressed into God. He sought God, and it says here there was a total consecration of his life. He said he sought the Lord with all his soul, with his heart, with his soul, with his might, according to the law of Moses. He mightily experienced, you know, one of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament. But like Esther, he was he was one totally consecrated. To the the Lord. And a second reason, as, as I say, there's probably many reasons why Esther was chosen, but two of them she was consecrated, fully consecrated, but also she was willing to deny herself, she was willing to fast, she was willing to pray and seek God. And in verse 16, which we've read. It's Esther. This time it is Esther telling Mordecai. And she said, Mordecai, her, her, her guardian, he said, Go to the Jews in Shushan, fast for me. Don't eat, don't even drink for three days or nights. And I also, and my maidens, we will fast likewise. I will. I will not just tell you to do it, I'll do it myself. I will fast likewise and so will I go into the king which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish." It was like a crisis situation. It was like a desperate situation. Esther and her maidens fasted and prayed for deliverance three days, three nights. And then Esther went into the inner chamber and praise God, the king, King Ahasuerus, King Ahasuerus, he held out the golden scepter to her. She was not rejected. Haman who had erect and Haman who had erected these gallows, he was going to hang Mordecai on these gallows the situation changed. And instead, Haman and his ten sons were hung on those very same gallows that Haman had got built for Mordecai to be hung on. And as a result of it all, through Esther, the Jewish race was saved from destruction. I don't think any any of us like like fasting, but there's something about praying and fasting linked together, you know, that can accomplish great things in God. And in Matthew chapter 17, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and James and John, and there at the bottom of the mountain, then there was this man, His boy was demon-possessed. He was desperate. He was getting into the fire and all kinds of things. And he came to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, can you help my son? He was desperate. And he said, well, he'd, he'd taken him to the disciples, the other disciples, the other nine disciples. They were there, and they were not able to cast this demon out of the man, and... And then Jesus said to him, Jesus said to the man, this kind, you know, some demons are very resistant, and he said, these kind goes out not, not by prayer and fasting. In other words, not just by prayer only, but by prayer and fasting. And so there's a thought there, you know, things outside of the will of God. We, we can't twist God's arm by fasting. But there are some things in the will of God That And most things in the will of God, you know, God answers as we pray. But there are maybe some things in the will of God which the answer only comes by, by prayer and fasting. And sometimes not just individual prayer and fasting, but sometimes, you know, gathering together to pray and to fast together. You know, in the time of Jonah, God sent Jonah to Nineveh. He did not want to go. He went the opposite direction at first. He was in a fish, and the fish followed him back, and spewed him out onto the dry land. But then he was sent to Nineveh. And Jonah did not like the Ninevites. They'd done terrible things. They'd killed many of the Jewish people. And Nineveh was an evil, violent, wicked city. But God sent Jonah there and he proclaimed the word of the Lord that if they did not repent, the city would be destroyed. This huge city of Nineveh would be destroyed in 30 days. And the message was from God. But when Jonah, and and that's what Jonah really wanted in his heart. He wanted destruction. He wanted them to be wiped out. But the inhabitants responded by repenting and they repented with fasting and mourning. And and the king, he set aside a day of fasting and crying out to God and repenting for their sins. And because that happened, God spared the entire city of Nineveh, was spared for well over 100 years from that time. I mean, eventually judgment caught up with them. But we read that in Jonah chapter 3. And at that time, the king fasted. And even the animals fasted. And the flocks that they fasted for a day, for a day, no food, no water. At the beginning in the New Testament, at the beginning of the apostolic missionary program, in Acts chapter thirteen and verses one to three, and speaks there of a number of prophets, a number of teachers. And they were worshipping the Lord together. And as they worshipped the Lord and prayed, they prayed, they were worshipping the Lord, but they were also fasting. And it tells us there in Acts chapter 13, it gives the names of those prophets and teachers. And then it says, verse 2, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And they did that. So, and then the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. And so together the leadership was worshipping the Lord. They were fasting. They prayed and fasted to, to find God's will in verse 2. Because as they prayed and fasted, then the Holy Spirit came the Holy Spirit spoke. And what the Holy Spirit spoke was, who, who the ones were among them, Barnabas and Saul, they were to go, and they were to go out on the, the first missionary journey. And then in verse, two, in verse 3, it says, you know, in verse 2, they fasted, they prayed, and then verse 3, it says, they fasted and they prayed again, verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And so... They prayed and fasted to find God's will, verse 2, and then a second time they fasted and prayed, committing Paul and Barnabas to the carrying out of the will of God, which we see in verse 3. And so Esther was, Esther was one. She was totally consecrated to the Lord and she was willing to, to press into God in prayer and in fasting and the result of that was going on on in that and there was a there was a counter decree which was issued because the first decree to, to kill all the Jews could not be cancelled so a counter decree was issued that on that same day the Jews would arise up and with the help of the government and they were to they were to wipe, they were, they were enabled to, to wipe out or to, to, to kill all the lives of those who had opposed the Jews, who were allies to, to Haman and uh, those who were against the Jews. So basically, deliverance came. We could say revival came to the Jews. Their lives were wonderfully saved. And not only were they wonderfully saved, but we see Back in the book of Esther, we see in verse 13, it speaks, in verse 14, it speaks not only of deliverance arising to the Jews, but it speaks of enlargement, enlargement. In other words, deliverance, deliverance from death, they were saved, miraculously saved by the chain of circumstances that God was in c- control of. But not only that were they delivered, were they saved from being annihilated, but also they grew and they prospered. And their numbers were added to and, they were, and enlargement came, enlargement came. In revival, enlargement comes. Many come to the Lord. Backsliders return to the Lord people come back to the church and they're revived by the power of God. And here in the time of Esther, not only deliverance from being wiped out, but then enlargement. Enlargement came as well. And there was was enlargement. And through Esther, revival came and... You know, many heathen turned to the Lord. And we see this in, in Esther chapter 8 and verse 17. Chapter 8 and verse 17, it tells us, And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day, and many of the people of the land became Jews, many heathen. From 127 provinces all the way from India to Ethiopia, they became Jews. They wanted to follow, they wanted to change their belief. They wanted to believe in in, in Yahweh, in Jehovah, in the true God, and, and that they became Jews. And it's one of the few places in the whole of the Old Testament where you find heathen people you know, becoming Jews. It says many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews came and fell upon them. So through through Esther, through Esther, you know, many were added to the Lord. Many were many became Jews, and through Esther, even their enemies were defeated. Their enemies were defeated. In chapter seven and verse ten, it speaks about Haman. And how he erected a gallo- the gallows to kill the Jew Mordecai, but he was killed on those same gallo- gallows. In chapter 9 and verse 10, we read about his 10 sons. They also were destroyed on those gallows. And then in chapter 9 and verse 16, chapter 9 and verse 16, it tells us there But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and they stood for their lives and had rest from the enemies and slew of their foes 75,000. Wow, that's a huge number, 75,000. But they laid not their hands on the prey. You know, the outcome of their, the, the, the result of their united prayer and fasting, it's described in the succeeding chapters of the book of Esther. And the whole of the Jewish race was saved from destruction. The whole policy of the Persian Empire was completely changed in favour of the Jews. And then the enemies of the Jews throughout the Persian Empire, those enemies, they suffered total defeat. And then Mordecai and Esther, they became the two most influential personalities in Persian politics. And they were not even Persians. They were not even From Iran. And then the Jews throughout the entire Persian Empire, they experienced favor and peace and prosperity. And all of this, you know, after God's people had united together in prayer and fasting. And so I want to encourage all of you, at least at some level, to pray. And to fast, you know, these next three days. And, and you know, we've we've got a lot to pray for. There's a lot to pray for. And, you know, we desperately, we desperately need a fresh move of the of, of the Holy Spirit, you know, in our church. And as we realise, there's been a shaking, there's been difficult times, there's been trials, there's been hardships. But God has given us many promises. God has given us many wonderful promises. And, you know, my heart, and I'm sure in your hearts too, we, don't want, to, we, want, to, we want to not only have the promises, having the promises is great, but far greater than that is to, to, to come in experientially to those promises, to experience those promises to have the glory of God come in our midst and his presence increase and see new ones coming from the north and the south and the east and the west and see the rivers of life and the rivers of healing and the rivers of the Holy Spirit flowing. We all want that. And I believe it's coming. But it's not just going to drop out of the sky. You know, we talked about being digging ditches last week. You know, there's things that, you know, there's there's God's part, yes, but there's also our part. And we can seek God. We can press into, into God. And, you know, pray. Pray in, in your personal lives. Let's believe these three days. Let's believe that God will, in our personal lives, maybe some, some bondage, maybe some sin, it's maybe something that's, you know, it, you have not been victorious over, maybe it's some other problem, maybe it's some sickness or something like that. Let's believe God, that God will come through in our personal situation, in our personal situation. And let's pray for our church. Let's believe God, that God will, God will do something fresh. You know, the river will flow in... You know, people coming in will just say, God, God's here. God's in this place. Now, this place will be a place of blessing, place of life, place of deliverance, place of healing. And pray. We need to pray for our fellowship. You know, I believe there's real attacks of the enemy, you know, to destroy the fellowship. But let's pray that God will come, God will move, God will do a new thing. We need it in ZMI. Pray for the students that are here now, and pray that God will God will draw many students from all over the country and overseas. Pray for ZA. God will blessing and growth and new students. Pray for the Zion churches. God will move afresh. God will move afresh. Many of them have had trials and difficulties we're not the only ones and let's pray for a fresh missions flow i mean this fellowship was was birthed and it was birthed with a with a vision for missions and reaching out to the nations of the earth pray for a fresh you know missions thrust and missionaries to be sent out to the nations and we need to pray for our nation, for USA. I mean, never, never in the history of this nation has it sunk so far into sin and the laws of the land and the laws of the land being changed contrary to the word of God. I mean, never has this happened before. Never has it happened before. And the answer is not in politics. But the real answer is the people of God. If my people who are called after my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God promises, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So if three days is too much, no problem. Maybe you can fast one meal a day. If you're on medication, no problem, you have to take it, but just maybe eat less or miss out something. I mean, just each one, don't feel under bondage, you have to, but just pray and ask the Lord and do what you, know, you feel you are able to do. But I encourage you in some way to, to try to be involved, not in fasting, but also in praying. You know, pray individually, and 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 if if you're able to, we've got these prayer meetings Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night at six thirty here, and we can join together and pray collectively. But uh, you know, as we press into God, I mean, God, He will He will come, He will He will honor us. And verse I often quote Hebrews eleven verse six. You know, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so let's, by the grace of God, diligently seek the Lord. You know, these next three days as we seek to pray and fast and that God will come in a, in a fresh way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing story of Esther we thank you she was a very very ordinary person but Lord you worked in her life you drew her to yourself she had a hunger and thirst for the living God and Lord you used her in extraordinary ways And, Lord, I thank you that even as she was called to the kingdom for such a time as this, Lord, I believe that we are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, work in our hearts. Work in our lives. Draw us to yourself. Lord, we can't even do it ourselves. We ask you, Lord, put that desire in us. Draw us. Draw us. And cause us to follow hard, to run after you. Lord, I pray, even for these next three days, Lord, give us the grace, Lord, to to press into you in a special way. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, Lord, it is not in vain when we seek you. It is not in vain. And we thank you, the tremendous promises of your rich blessing. Lord, come, break through rivers of living water. Lord, we cry out to you, let them flow. In your precious and wonderful name, amen. Amen. God bless you as the musicians come.